everyone, and welcome to this episode of Operation Sequel. Today we're talking about Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Mystic Quest was developed and published by Square and was distributed in Europe by Nintendo. Now, this is not going to be the same crew. Uh, these are all new names that I get to butcher, so strap in. The director was Koji Ide, with the writers being Chihiro Fujioka and Yoshihiko Makawa. The composer was Ryuji Sasai and Yasuhiro Kawakami. Mystic Quest released in October 1992 in North America. In Japan, it released in September of 1993, and in Europe was October of the same year. Now, there's not a lot going on story-wise, but as per usual, we'll read from the manual because I don't have a guide for this, and I don't really think you need one. For centuries, the Focus Tower had stood at the very heart of the world. It had been a center of trade and knowledge. The people of the world had met peacefully to settle their differences. But on one warm summer day, the tower was suddenly transformed into a symbol of the purest evil. For on that day, powerful monsters battled their way into the tower, stole the four crystals of the earth, and then took off with the magical coins that had kept the tower's doors unlocked. With the tower's doors sealed behind them, the monsters relaxed their guard and turned their attention to the crystals. As they basked in the radiant glow of the crystals, the monsters grew stronger and meaner and even more wicked. The more light the monsters consumed, the more the world was drained of its warmth and color. Tremors shook the land. The sky grew cloudy and dark. The seasons went berserk. Monsters appeared everywhere and terrorized the people. The world was thrown into total chaos. Something had to be done. Enter Benjamin. Benjamin was the most normal youngster you could imagine. Like most responsible villagers his age, he arose at the crack of dawn to take his family's livestock to the upper meadows to graze. Other kids teased him because he read while tending his herd and because a village elder had taken him in as a promising student. Although Benjamin seemed to mature beyond his years, he still dreamed of being more than he was. Faster, stronger, and more daring. Little did he know his wishes were about to be fulfilled the hard way. And yes, that is a great Michael J. Fox, James Woods movie. Okay, maybe not great, but you know, it's there. Okay, so Mr. Quest is not something I have a lot of history with. I can't say I noticed it at the time when it came out. You know, I was probably busy playing other stuff. Once I finally started looking into the Final Fantasy franchise as a whole, this was, this was a big blank spot. Once you start researching it, you realize it has a very bad rep. It gets a lot of praise for its music, which I don't quite agree with, but we'll talk about that later. But it generally has the reputation of being an insult to everybody but the Japanese audience. Now, I guess a little bit of the story behind it is Japanese guest CEOs, the companies themselves, like Square, were kind of puzzled as to why RPGs hadn't take off in America or Europe. I mean, they obviously took off well in Japan. There must be something that we're not doing for the Western audience. Now, instead of, say, taking their time and localizing something correctly, I mean, they didn't know. Their idea was, well, perhaps Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy, they're just too hard. So they decided to put a different team together and try to make one specifically geared for the Western audience. And the result is a bit of a mixed bag. I would say probably, it, it's not insulting, it's just, they missed the mark. It, it's like if somebody said, we're gonna try to hit this target, or, you know, bowling. Okay, let's take bowling as an example here. They, they tried to roll a strike and they ended up going to the wrong lane and rolling a spare. I, I don't find it insulting and it doesn't fill me with rage like it does a lot of people. It's just kind of, ah, you guys really missed the mark on this one. On to the game itself, right? As, as is a running theme, the crystals are still a huge part of this game, like they were the last couple of them. Now the game opens really strong. Uh, it opens, there's a mountain that's crumbling, there's a guy on a cloud, you have no idea who he is, but it tells you to follow him to get to safety, and then BAM, you're right in a fight with a behemoth. I was a little excited, I thought, alright, alright, we're gonna get into an action-packed Final Fantasy here. 
It slows down a bit after that, but I would say right about that first battle with Behemoth, something's a bit off. And the fact that you're fighting a Behemoth is a little weird right away, right? I mean, they're normally endgame stuff. That first battle with Behemoth is where you start to realize, okay, the music is really good in this. It has very nice, like, sampled electric guitars, and it does not sound Final Fantasy at all. Actually, the game I got the most out of the battle theme and some of the other themes is it sounds like something that should go into a punch-out game. It's very, very action-based, very upbeat, very heavy, and it's great until you realize there's not that many tracks in the game. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to completely have a score going underneath this. You get really tired of the music in this game fast. It's good, just overplayed. So since I don't see this being a very popular game, just a quick couple of notes on what makes this a little different. You don't equip armor or weapons. You find them either in the world as a reward from doing what are called battlegrounds, and I'll explain that in a little bit, or you just buy them from random townsfolk. There are no armor shops, there are no weapon shops. So you kind of have to talk to everybody which is a good habit to foster, of course, so I can see why they did that. Now, each weapon also works as a key item. Like with the swords, you can use the sword to push switches, or with the claws, you can use them as a grappling hook, and the bombs will open doors and open paths. The axes will chop down trees. This would be a giant pain in the butt if it wasn't for the fact that you can actually use the L and the R to switch between weapons on the fly, whether you're on the overworld or in battle. And that's very nice because this battle system is very heavily geared towards learning each foe's weakness because kind of like a miniature Pokemon, every monster is weak to a certain weapon. Like the axes will just demolish trees and, and by that, I mean the tree monsters, not, not actual trees. And yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer, but uh, like wind magic will wreck birds or bombs will wreck beholders. They really expect you to use this because that's the only way I found for the most part that you can kill things in one round. Other things this game does different in terms of the battle system, if you die, you can just restart. You know, if you die, a little thing pops up and says give up, yes or no. If you hit no, then you're just automatically taken back to the beginning of the battle. You're not refreshed of your health or any of that, but you get another shot at it, which I think is very good. I actually kind of wish other games would have done that. It makes you less tempted to cheese or run from a battle. One thing I don't like about the battle system is they rely incredibly heavy on status ailments, like really heavy, with probably their preference being confusion. And confusion works just the same way it does in Pokemon games. It's just you choose a random attack or you might end up hitting yourself. But the status ailments got old quick. This is mitigated a little bit by the fact that in battle and out of battle, there are not things like golden needles, eye drops, things like that. The, everything is just in one catch-all called heal. On the same token, there is no curaga, there is no curaja, it's just cure. This might be different if you level up a whole bunch, but cure, when used out of battle, will always heal you to max in one hit. And this works well because it doesn't use MP, this is charges. So like you get 32 charges of a white spell and 22 charges of black spell, and then they have what they call sorcerer spells. No, I'm wrong. They have what they call wizard spells. So there's three different categories, and, and wizard spells are things like flare, whereas your black spells are your usual thunder, fire, ice, wind, that kind of stuff. It is a little disappointing to see they went back to the three enemies max per fight system. It took me back to Final Fantasy III, and I kind of miss having, you know, five, six enemies to tangle with. And one good thing this really does, and I, I'm kind of sad no other Final Fantasy game does it to this extent, is the more you damage enemies, their sprites change. 
Like, say you're fighting the Minotaur. He starts off, he looks like Minotaur. You know, as he takes damage, you'll see his horn break, and then he'll he'll kind of be leaning on his axe. There's different states. Some of them have up to four, but most generally have three. And that, that's a very cool system that I haven't really seen in anything else, you know, of, of this era. There aren't a lot of options for multi-monster damage, but there are things like the bomb and your magic that since you spend a lot of the game alone, I would say maybe a quarter, which is a little different than every other Final Fantasy. It makes it palatable to be alone. You're not so much relying on the second person, which by the way, since we're talking about that, the second person is going to be floating in and out constantly. Now, it could be a returning party member, it could be a new party member, it's kind of as the story dictates. Now, the frustrating thing is, no matter, it always seemed like they were a higher level than you. You know, you would be level 28, they would be level 32. Now, if you got up to level 32, you still were not as strong as them. For the most part, your partner will be able to knock out a monster every round without a problem, given that they're not, you know, the monster isn't strong to them. You, as the hero, feel useless because you're just never as strong as your partner. And that's okay, that's fine. That, that plays into that friendship theme of, you know, friends are what makes you strong. That's cool. It's just when I finally took the time, went, okay, I'm gonna try to out-level Tristram here. It still didn't make that much of a difference. And the only time it really makes a difference is if you get new equipment. And now some of the new equipment you get from party members, they'll be leaving to go somewhere and they'll be like, oh, here, take this. And you'll get a new bomb or you'll get a new glove or something like that. Interestingly enough, on the party members front, there is an option to actually have the party members play on auto. Now, because I'm not, you know, exactly a simpleton, I, I didn't play with them on auto. I probably should have for a little bit just to see how they act. But it's nice to see that the option's there if you're younger and you're confused a little bit. That's perfectly fine and actually kind of a good idea. One that they would come back to later, I believe, in Final Fantasy XII. Keeping on the streak about the battle, enemies are on the world map, so you always see a fight coming. Now, at first, this got me excited because, oh, I can avoid a fight if I don't want it. But the problem is there really is no point to them being on the map because they're almost always at choke points. And not just one, a lot. You are going to be finding yourself in the battle system a lot. And that's where you start to really start to hate this game. And I said start twice, and I'm sorry. The battle system is so incredibly simplistic once you get going, like once you take that first two battles and go, oh, okay, I got this, it is nothing but the most basic of RPG battle systems. I mean, it, there's not, since they don't give you the choice to change armors, there's no, okay, I'll wear this status ailment armor even though it makes me weaker. There's no, oh, I'll use this version of the sword because it inflicts a status. No, there's none of that. It's just mash A, mash A. Oh, oh, I have to use a bomb here. Mache, mache. And that's where I really started to get frustrated and bored with this game. This game so far out of the, let's see, probably seven or eight that I've played now for both Zelda and Final Fantasy, this one was the toughest to get through. And it's not very long. It's only like 12 hours, 13 hours max, but it's just so mind-numbingly boring. Now, that's for an adult. For a kid who maybe this is your first RPG, I imagine this would be a lot more fun because you're not having to wrestle with menus, you're not having to read a whole lot, it's just, yay, I killed the monster, yay, I killed, the oh, that monster killed me, I'll try something, it's very simple. And in that front, I think it worked. What they were trying to do worked. The problem is, 
They shouldn't have called it Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or Mystic Quest Legend in Europe, by the way. It's not considered because Mystic Quest is our, in North America, Final Fantasy adventure. So they had to add Legend on the end of it just to differentiate it. But anyway, back to the original point. I don't think they should have called it Mystic Quest. They really should have called it something like Virtual Fighter did with, you know, Final Fantasy Kids. Because this really is geared for only kids. If you're at that teenager level or higher, like I am, this is very boring. Actually, maybe boring is wrong. This is very simplistic, and I find simplistic boring. So maybe you're in the mood for a very simple RPG. That might be true. And if that is case, then this one is as simple as you can get. So I guess it all depends on what kind of player you are. Maybe you don't want to hassle with all the menus and the stats and things like that, and you just want to be able to mash A to kill the monster and enjoy what story there is. And in that, if that's the case, Final Fantasy Mystic Legend is right up your alley. Mystic Legend? Mystic Quest? I think I started thinking of Final Fantasy Legend. Anyway, I'm babbling. A couple odd things are... Oh, first, let me talk about battlefields. Battlefields are little squares on the world map. This does not have a sprawling world map like all the other Final Fantasies. Think Super Mario Bros. 3, or if you haven't played that, something newer, something like Shovel Knight. There are points on a line that you go to. And yes, it's not a straight line. They do diverge. But there are, there are little squares called battlefields. And what this is, is 10 fights in a row with breaks in between. You don't have to do them all. Bam, 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 bam. That might be interesting, actually. But yeah, it's 10 fights. And if you clear that battleground, you can either get gold or experience an item. And by item, I mean weapon or armor or a spell. Most of the time, it's going to be gold or experience points. There's only one or two that I remember gives you either a weapon or a spell. Another interesting thing I think this does is limited use weapons. Things like your bombs will have... You know, most times it's at 99, but if you're if you're going through a long dungeon slog and there's a bunch of enemies weak to bombs, you can actually run out of bombs. And that's kind of a cool idea. I like that idea of, hmm, should I use bombs, should I not? Problem is, they don't use it very much. So I personally never found myself even close to running out of bombs. But if you do, then chests will respawn. There's, well, they're not called chests, they're called boxes in this. They're like, think a little brown chest. And if you leave an area and come back, whatever was in there does respawn. So say you open a box and there's three potions. If you leave, come back in, you can go to that exact same box and the three potions will be there again for you to collect. On that note of permanence and non-permanence, enemies stay dead. As long as you don't leave this world map area, enemies will always stay dead. Which is great because a lot of these dungeons are mazes and you have to use a grappling hook to get to a higher level, to drop down a floor, to get onto the higher ground of the second level, things like that. They are very maze-like to the point where it, it wasn't frustrating, it just added to the frustration of, oh, I've got to kill all these enemies and then I have to come over here and drop down and kill all these enemies. A lot of the frustration I felt generally focused on the battle system, but the simple block puzzles and the maze aspect of the dungeons weren't bad, they just kind of exacerbated the situation of frustration that I had. And that was a very awkward phrase to say and I'm sorry. There was once or twice where they do interesting things with enemies being on the world map, like the Ice Temple. At first I thought, whoa, they went spiked tiles. Wow, that's a throwback. But actually you need to get through the Ice Temple, get an item, kind of like the Holy Glasses in Castlevania, and then you can actually see the items on the world map. 
And that, that was pretty good. I like that. That's shaking things up a little bit. Now, if you notice, I have not been talking about the story very much, and that's because there is no story to talk about. Things just seem to happen for no reason. Like, you have to find Kaylee to chop down a tree, and then she chops down the tree, and whoop, she's sick, and her mother takes her away. And then you meet a new person, and you go a little while, and oh, oh, they found something they want to do, so off they go. And it's, it's almost like a series of vignettes, not a full story. I mean, yes, it all focuses around getting the crystals, but there's nothing cohesive here. And there's definitely nothing to hold your interest. The dialogue is incredibly simple, which again, I think is because it's geared towards kids and that's fine. But as an adult, it's very uninteresting. There's no real surprises along the way. It's just very boilerplate. Hero must go save the crystals and he meets some interesting quirky people along the way and then it's over. And of course there is that, that standard Final Fantasy thing of aha, you thought I was behind it the whole time, but it's not. I have a boss and his name is Pazuzu. And then Pazuzu dies and no, he had a boss. All right, let's take him down too. It, it's just that very standard chain of command thing that Final Fantasy does. Or you didn't know this enemy was behind this enemy the whole time, pulling the strings. And quickly, while we're talking about Pazuzu, go ahead and Google that, because that's fairly interesting too. I didn't find a lot interesting to learn about in terms of mythology, so this Final Fantasy game is weak in that regard, although Pazuzu is a, is a bonus. Made me kind of laugh, especially playing Ocarina of Time recently. Uh, they do the whole Deku Tree thing, where there's a giant tree and you talk to it and it says, there's a bunch of monsters in my mouth, could you clear them out, kind of thing, and you clear them out and it, ah, hey, it's a Deku Tree. So, I mean, that was kind of a nice touch. In case you can't tell, I'm kind of struggling for things to talk about here and I think I'm going to end it now. And, and to sum this game up, kind of what I said, it's just very simple. If you have a, a younger brother or a niece or a nephew or a kid who's interested in games and saw you play Final Fantasy 15 or 12 or something like that, and they want to try it, this is a good one to ship them to because it is made for kids. Now I know there are a lot of people that still like this and I don't know if they're like myself where you like to try to defend an underdog, but looking at it objectively, it is incredibly simple and I almost want to say trite, but I, I don't know if I'd go that far. So on the streak of Final Fantasy games, this is the first one I'm gonna mark down as a black mark. It's not bad, it's just incredibly simplistic and I don't like that in games very much. So I'm sorry if Mystic Quest was your favorite Final Fantasy on SNES, but play it again. I guarantee you're gonna see it in a different light. It's not that it doesn't hold up because I think it holds up fine, it's just not made for us anymore. It's made for people of an era that's pretty much gone because now everybody knows how to play RPGs. We don't need a baby's first RPG anymore. Unless, of course, it really is your first RPG. All right, so thank you for listening and be sure to check us out on Facebook at The Bit Effect and Twitter at The Bit Effect. You know, you know the drill by now. Uh, if you are nice enough to leave us an iTunes rating, that'd be great. If not, no big shakes. But uh, join us next time when I go through Majora's Mask, which I'm very much looking forward to because that was one of the gold standards I had for the Zelda franchise. So again, thank you very much and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>